podcast. We are live. We are out of our box and we are here at Magnolia in May. And with me today, I have Court Winsett. Hello, Katie. Cameron Spann, not on mic, because we have two amazing guests with us. We have Amanda and Chip. Hey, hey, guys. Hey, how are y'all? Okay, I am so excited to have these two on the episode. We're going to talk to them about their restaurant. But you know how we do things. Before we get into about them, about their restaurant, a little bit about the their story. The restaurant biz. Exactly, the business, dealing with the pandemic. <laughs> We're going to have fun. We're going to do a list, and this list is... TV hangout spots we wish were real. Okay, now, Katie, you've got to give a little bit more background than that. Why is it that you came up with that list in particular? <laughs> okay, so <laughs> I've, I've known Amanda and Chip a while now, and I really love Magnolia and May. I like hanging out here, bringing my friends here. So I kind of have dubbed myself, they probably think I'm the crazy lady, but I kind of feel like this This is my cheers. I like coming and hanging out here. So you're Norm. Yeah. For, for the rest of this episode, I shall call you Norm. <laughs> I mean, I don't have a bar so Norm! mine, but I like, because I move around. I keep it interesting. Sure, sure. <laughs> okay, yeah, so that's why we thought, hey, there's some great places people hang out on TV shows, so why don't we talk about them and kind of give our opinions? Court, you want to start? Boom. Central Perk. Friends. It's a coffee shop, not alcohol, so I wouldn't be there that often. <laughs> I mean, it looks like it has nice sofas, but... Well, yeah, I mean, it, they make it look really, really cool to hang there, but have you ever noticed that the sofas, except for with the exception of the episodes that they actually made a big deal out of it, the sofas are almost always reserved for those six people. They always get to sit on the sofas. Everybody else is at a bar top table. I mean, come on. So you wouldn't go there because you couldn't sit on the sofa? No, I wouldn't go there because they wouldn't put alcohol in in my coffee. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> uh, Beverly Hills 90210, the Peach Pit. Yes, of course. Well, I mean, I'm very familiar with this. It was in the second iteration of 90210, wasn't it? This Might be is alone there. Yeah. <laughs> It started off as basically a diner where the kids hung out, but then they also put a bar next door that was like the Peach Pit after dark. It was a, definitely a classic hangout. I know you like this one. Go. Oh, hell yeah. I, I call it. I call okay, it. Go. It's mine. It's Luke's Diner. Take it away. Of course, I'm going to Luke's Diner all the time, and I'm going to get him to yell at me a lot. It's going to be fun. But they don't serve alcohol. I don't care. <laughs> okay. They serve Luke's famous grouchiness. <laughs> Hey, that's the exception to his rule. No alcohol. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> exactly. Okay, the next one on the list. Cheers. Cheers. I mean, yeah. Although when I went to Boston, I was really disappointed with the Cheers bar. Yeah, I bet. I mean, I've heard that. I haven't been there myself, but I hear like from friends who live there. It's like, eh, it's, you know. You go there, you maybe get a drink or take a picture, but that's it. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's not worth it. Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Patty's Pub. Yeah, I'm not familiar with the show so much. Y'all watch the show at all? No, we had, I've never actually watched Always Sunny. I've been told multiple times I need to watch it. Yeah. I never do. I hear that I'm supposed to watch it, but I haven't watched it, so I'm not familiar with the place. But uh, sure, I mean, you know, pretty much anytime there's a bar and a TV show, they're going to make <laughs> it seem welcoming. Okay, Monk's Cafe, Seinfeld. Another diner. But, I mean, who doesn't want to go to a New York diner? Am I right? Or am I right? No, you're pretty right. That's, that's a good one, honestly. It's very indicative of a New York diner. Like, yeah. it, you get that same, like, smugness from guests and stuff like that. It's pretty true, too, <laughs> to style there. <laughs> okay, the pub and how I met your mother. 
Okay, so McLaurin's Pub. Yeah, this is if Friends had a bar instead of a coffee shop, basically. Because this is the pub where all of the friends that are in How I Met Your Mother go to hang out every single night. It's right downstairs from their apartment. Kind of like the, the coffee shop in, in Friends. So it's convenient. I mean, it'd be great to just people watch a Barney running yeah. around trying to pick up girls. <laughs> Why not? I mean, that that's a game right there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, Parks and Rec, JJ's Diner? No idea. I've never seen this one. I've told, I'm told I should watch it. I am told so as well. Yeah, you know, we're, we're big fans of, like, The Office and all that stuff. Everybody's like, you don't watch Parks and Rec? I'm like, yeah. oh, sorry. Yeah, I can quote Office to you all day long. <laughs> all day, every Parks day. Parks and Rec, not The so Office is way better. Okay, we'll go ahead and skip down, because there is The Office, Poor Richards, which I still stand by. I've never seen The Office. It's kind of a big deal. Everyone gets mad. Hate <laughs> I, I can't believe this. Y'all even had a cocktail list had, for a while. Yes. Oh, no. No, no, no. We'll have to just, we'll, we'll, you'll have to come over, we'll watch The Office, do the whole thing, make it happen. Yeah, I may be like no longer the norm here. Like, okay. they just may have taken me off. We're, we're, getting, we're getting into some touchy area for me because these are, these are places from newer shows that I don't necessarily recognize. But I do recognize one that's down the list a little bit. So I'm going to go ahead and say it now. Okay, go I'm ahead. Gonna, okay. The Mystic Grill. From the Vampire Diaries, of, of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Chubby's from Boy Meets World is good. That See, one... Boy Meets World, that was way after my yeah, time. Yeah, but that's what, it was a big deal when Corey would take his dates. Like, you've got to go up and order it a specific way. And if he, like, sniffs, and you got to do this or that. And there was a place in Chicago that it's, like, underground, I feel like. And you have to order <laughs> a particular way. Mm -hmm. Or else they're like, no, you can't eat here. Yeah, it's kind of like it's like the speakeasy of diner, like, yeah. dives kind of thing. It's kind of like the soup Nazi in Seinfeld. Yeah. A little bit, yeah, a little bit. Yes. Um, yeah, a couple others on here. The Smash Club and Full House. I don't really know, because that was only around for a tiny bit when Uncle Jesse created that club. Mm -hmm. Right. So, I don't know about that. Moe's Tavern from The Simpsons. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, Moe, come on. It's, I mean, <laughs> seriously. Get some... What is the beer that they drink on The Simpsons? I'm not sure. I only remember the prank. Like, Bart would call the bar and do, like, prank calls all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Arnold's Diner from Happy Days. That's, that's a classic. It is a classic, but I also kind of take issue with it. Because didn't they change the name to Al's once Arnold left and Al bought the place? Oh, I don't know. Okay. Arnold was one. played by the actor that played Mr. Miyagi in Karate Kid. But he was only in like the first season or two. And then he left and a big man came in and like bought the place and it became Al's. And Al was the the, the owner for the, the rest of the time that Happy Days was a thing. The other couple ones on here, the Regal Beagle from Three's Company. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Tropicana Club, I Love Lucy. Sure, oh, yeah, go see Ricky. Uh, the Max Saved by the Bell, of course. Yep. No idea. Oh, come what? on. You didn't watch <laughs> Saved by the on. Bell? No, I was old by then. <laughs> You're not 100. No, but believe Save me, when it Bell came out. Saved by the Bell was on for a very long time. Yeah, I mean, I feel like they had like 10 yeah. seasons, maybe maybe eight. I mean, and they had all the spinoffs, the wedding, the right, whole thing. Like they were all at the beach. Yeah. I mean, Let me tell you what happened, okay? You just make excuses. I'll just be, no, I'll be real <laughs> with y'all. Okay, so what happened was... NBC introduced uh, introduced Saved by the Bell as a Saturday morning show. And I would not watch it because I absolutely refused to watch live action TV on Saturday morning. Saturday morning was when we kids who didn't have cable got our cartoons. So when they started going like, oh, sorry, we're not going to do cartoons anymore. I was like, oh, well, I guess I'm not going to watch you anymore. <laughs> and there was how Saved by the Bell never got watched by court. You're welcome. <laughs> You Very were, good. You were grumpy. <laughs> okay, uh, Leroy slash Rachel's Place from Family Matters. No idea. 
And honorable mention on this list, uh, Foreman's Basement, that 70s show. I mean, I think everybody- For a completely different kind of treat. <laughs> Just mildly That'd different. fun. <laughs> goes into y'all have some drinks that have cbd oil in it yeah we do it's like a cbd cocktail syrup well we actually we buy it we don't make it there is a like a little bit of thc it's like under like a milligram or something like that in each serving and what they like what we do is we actually use it for a couple different cocktails um namely for like our bellini quote unquote so like typically you do a bellini with a fruit puree or something like that but we're just doing just the syrup and then topping it with bubbles so it gets a little bit more texture to it because it's a thicker syrup and then uh, we also have it as like a pro tip on some of our cocktails. So you can add it into another cocktail to kind of enhance it a little bit. Cause like we have two different flavors. We have mango jalapeno and we have lavender lemon. So mm. they're two different styles in of itself, but they go well with the majority of our cocktails for oh, both of them. Yes. So like mango jalapeno CBD with a Bloody Mary, why not? Sure. You know, like get Absolutely. you know yeah. a little a little bit bold for the morning. <laughs> I, I say they're delicious. I say yes I've to tried that. both of them. <laughs> okay, so I kind of jumped you in with CBD, but let's yeah. talk about you two, your story, your background, and where you got to this point of having Magnolia in May. Okay, well, if I may, take it away, Chip. So we actually both met up at culinary school in New York. We were there for I don't know, like what three and a half years, whatever the program lasts. Um, that's how we met. So while you're in school there, what you're doing is you're kind of working in a classroom setting that is a kitchen. So you're actually producing food um, for students who are dining there. So you, there's be food being produced from like midnight all the way through midnight. Like there's 24 hours a day, there are kids and students in class cooking for other students. Um, whether it be baking a pastry, breakfast, or anything in between. So Chip and I were actually in the same entry date because you started in three-week blocks. So you didn't start just once or twice a year. It was literally every three weeks there was an incoming students and there were graduating students. Um, so we entered at the same time and we started like in classes together maybe four weeks into the program, something like that. Um, so after that four-week time, essentially we were in classes together working in a kitchen setting mostly from that point till pretty much now. This was up in New York. Mm -hmm. You're from New York. Yes. Chip, where are you from? I'm from Memphis. Okay. Because uh, my, my next question was going to be, you went to a culinary school in New York. You're from New York. How the heck did you end up back in Memphis? But <laughs> you're from Memphis, so that makes sense. Yeah. So after we graduated culinary school, we um, moved to Charleston, South Carolina for about four or five years. So we kind of messed around there, worked at a couple places. And then we had gotten married and we were like, kind of like, let's go someplace else. Let's move on. Memphis came up, a couple other cities came up, but being that Chip was from Memphis, it kind of pulled us in this direction to kind of knowing that this whole new restaurant situation could be our next step. Chip, your dad had a restaurant, correct? Yeah, my uh, parents uh, ran the Grove Grill for 23 years. Grove was a great restaurant here and so kind of it was transitioning that Grove closed and you started? Yeah, kind of. So what really happened was well, we were at the Grove for, I don't know, maybe three years before we uh, closed that down. So three years of that and then COVID hit. So when COVID hit, um, I guess it was March 9th here in Memphis, they said, all right, that's it. Close it down. We decided to close the restaurant at that point, you know, for many reasons, but one of them being our lease was nearly up and to kind of take out loans and kind of take on that financial burden for you know Jeff and Tracy mainly because they were the owners 
to just hope to open up soon for maybe a couple of months. It just financially, the numbers just did not make sense. Grove um, Grill was a, it was a large space. It was huge. The kitchen was about the size of this whole restaurant. Oh, wow. It was humongous. Yeah, we could drop this entire building in the Grove Grill. And, and, wow. have, and have room, like, and have room to spare. Um, there was private dining spaces that could seat up to 150 people. You know, the main dining room can see, I mean, could seat about 100 people too. I mean, it was, it was a huge, 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 huge space. I mean, it, it was great for what it was. I mean, we loved it there. But it was big. And knowing that this was kind of in the works, when we closed the Grove, it kind of gave us a little safety net, I think. So this building originally was my grand- my grandfather's an insurance salesman, and he owns the building, and this was his office. So this window that we're sitting next to was the front door originally. That this makes was, sense. The yeah. stairs lead right up to it. <laughs> yeah. And then this was like where he uh, had a secretary's desk. He never had a secretary, but the position was apparently available. Um, he wanted you to fill in. Uh, yeah. That's a bad idea. <laughs> um, and then for those of you that are familiar with the restaurant, where the patio is the patio door that was actually his office and his desk was right there the kitchen was two offices and i think he probably had like four or five tenants before we started working on this you had to come in and fully redo it as a restaurant up to code it wasn't like you were picking up where another restaurant had left off it wasn't as intense as a lot of people would think it was basically like opening up like the dining room area and we really didn't add that much space the only stuff we really added was i'm sure if someone has been in the kitchen the only area we really added was like the dry storage area and where the walk-in sits currently i mean we also added some areas like we just squared the building off so what he's saying is like, you know, this is where the front door was, but, you know, every little aspect of this building to some degree had like a, like they added something on, but didn't never squared off anywhere. So it was a lot of like ins and outs, and ins and outs. So just kind of capturing all those spaces, like where the restroom is on the side, that was not inside this building. Like that was a cutout where they actually had like the HVAC unit. So we kind of just made it where it like made sense to kind of make sure we could drop a full size bathroom on either side. And, you know, for example, we had a huge battle within the family about what the bathroom should be and I know it sounds so silly but it's like I like a single person bathroom I think you keep them cleaner you it's just better for everyone and there's no kind of issues with it typically and being the landlord is a little older and I had to convince him and my in-laws and I was like but they'll be so clean and they are we get a lot of comments like you have the cleanest bathroom so um, it's kind of stuff like that. Just this kind of, is getting kind of inside baseball. Sorry. Doesn't that limit? No, I was going to ask. My question is going to get a little inside baseball. <laughs> Don't you have to have a certain amount of bathroom space for however many heads you have in the room? As- yes and no. Okay. Y- you do, but with a, such a small space like this, I mean, we only have 11 tables inside. Okay. So if you think about that, I mean, inside, if we do a buyout or a private event, we do like 55 people and that's not including the bar top. So we don't have a ton of space. And then outside we have those tables too, but they don't, technically count all of that as seating space because okay. if you talk about the winter or 100 degree summers you we're not using that so right. luckily with two pretty much there's there's like two weeks in in april when you can put people outside. <laughs> exactly it's yeah. kind of like oh it's actually nice out today let's do that <laughs> you know so it's not really viable space 12 months out of the year so there is some kind of code there for sure but being that we're only a small place it's not such a okay. big okay. issue okay i obviously know this but i kind of want everybody to understand that 
the Grove Grill was one kind of clientele. Obviously, we talked about it was much bigger space, but kind of what was the change in how is Magnolia and May very different or is it similar towards Grove Grill? So I think what Chip and I always laugh and joke about and sounds kind of corny is that we kind of try to appeal to everyone to some degree. Like we don't want people to feel like, oh, it's too formal. Oh, it's too casual. Oh, it's too expensive. And I know it sounds like, okay, like roll your eyes, like get out of here with that nonsense. But in reality, you know, when Chip and I moved to Memphis, we were dying for a spot that we could frequent more than once a week and not feel like, okay, we've broke the bank. Mm -hmm. Like now I can't go out for two months or whatever that may be. But also finding a place that was affordable, but had great food and wasn't too tongue in cheek that made you feel like, "Mm, I'm uncomfortable going in there because I don't know what to expect. So I think that was what our main driving goal was, like a place that we want to hang out at. Like we, there are restaurants that we do love here, don't get me wrong, but it just didn't have that mix of casual but comfortable and also great food. So I think that was one of our big pushes, like, and a big push away from the Grove because the Grove was, you know, even no matter how hard we tried while we were there for that three years, we you know, could not get away from the idea that it was formal. Oh, we yeah. redecorated. It was, it was we, just in our minds. Oh, we, yeah. As Memphians, we were just like, yeah, it's, you gotta it's, dress up. it's a exactly. nice place. It's expensive. You yes. gotta, yeah. And, and rightfully so. And I think what was so hard for us is that, you know, we were trying to turn that page um, and kind of keep it viable and keep it pulsating. Because it really, it was, it was doing good. But Chip and I, we had this vision of like what else it could be. So mm-hmm. like we changed uniforms and like made it like try to be more comfortable. And then people would just be like, I don't get it. Okay, well, never mind. We won't do that. In the last few years it was open, I did love the bar scene. Like, I feel Mm -hmm. like the bar scene really picked up there at the end. Yes. Um, And and Because I know I started going there for drinks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we definitely tried to, like, just revamp in in everywhere we could. But also, like, keep it viable, but still keep that nostalgia of what the Grove was. I mean, 23, 25, whatever it was, years is not a short run. I mean, that's a pretty good run for a restaurant. And I think that in reality, it's it was great for what it was. But with the lease and everything in COVID, we were just like, you know what? If we close this down, we have a staff to open up with at our other restaurant. So, like, we kind of were like, you know what? Sometimes it's just got to be the way it is. How long was Magnolia and May brasserie and we're going to get to that Mm -hmm. um how long was that in the the conceptual stage part of the move back to memphis for me and for amanda to come here was that we were going to open a second concept part of that was uh owning a building because there are a lot of great restaurateurs that like one of the quote is you don't really make your money running a restaurant you kind of you either make it like selling cookbooks or you own the castle that you're in and we're in a very fortunate situation that we're you know we're in a great spot we had every intention of keeping the Grove open. And because of how large the kitchen was, we were going to kind of use it as a commissary space. So we weren't going to open for lunch here, I don't think at all, just because of the Grove. And I was going to be over at the Grove in the morning, you know, doing stuff over there and coming over here. But, the, you know, this was always kind of in the works. It's kind of what happened. So it's kind of that perfect storm. The pandemic hit and it was like, okay, let's let's just do this. Let's go for it full force. And so you really did open your doors right in the middle of the pandemic. What was that like? So we were closed down, I think, March 9th. We opened our doors here May 26th of 2020. So like it was the first or second week we were allowed to open back up. So they gave us the phase two, you could open up with these restrictions. And we were like, next week, we're doing it. Like, let's go ahead. And... 
the only thing that really held us back at that point to get everything in line was, of course, all the inspections and stuff like that because nobody was inspecting because mm-hmm. everybody was like, well, we're not going out on the field. And we were just like, well, we're opening, um, for lack of better terms. <laughs> and we, not to, you know, make it a big thing, but, like, TABC, like, and all that, they really didn't come out and inspect, like, or, like, do their their normal stuff, like, because they couldn't, they weren't allowed. So they was kind of like, okay, do a video, show us what you have, show us where the liquor is going to be to make sure that there was no liquor in the building prior to having licensing. So it was this like perfect situation. Well, perfect in hindsight, because we were able to really cherry pick our staff and people that we knew and were, had been working with for years that we were able to bring them over, kind of trust in them. And they trust in us that yes, it's scary because it's COVID and it's scary because it's new, but hey, we're gonna make it happen and we got your back. And it was able to kind of just like make everything work very cohesively. Okay, so menu. Mm-hmm. I know that um, from going here a lot, y'all try and work a lot with local and kind of help with that. So kind of tell me a little bit about your local partners and then maybe about some of your, I mean, buffalo broccoli. Gotta <laughs> talk about it. <laughs> I love buying local. I love working with all the farmers and local purveyors. And that, that translates to the front of house as well with like beer and, you know, some spirits. But you also have to be reasonable and like, you have to buy local when it makes sense. There's no local flour mill. So like I have to, you know, buy the commodity stuff like that. And then there are certain things too, like, yeah, there are local yellow onions, but in order to use them, I would have to charge so much money. But we work with a lot of people, uh, Bluff City Fungi, they grow mushrooms in town. Uh, there's a produce co-op uh, called New South Produce. I'll give him a little shout out. He does do a uh, box that you can buy and you can use his vegetables at home. Even like off the dock seafood is in town, then you know we use them, and it even boils down to our dishwashing company. Our dishwashing company is a locally owned business that we use. Okay, wait, I'm I'm intrigued by that. What what does that mean? Your dishwashing company? Does that mean you don't have a, an in house dishwasher? Or? Oh, so we lease equipment from a dishwashing company, which is not to get super technical, but it's really nice. Like on a Saturday night at seven thirty, you have somebody to call that'll come fix your machine. Okay. But, uh, we buy chemicals from them and okay, uh, that kind of stuff. I, I had this picture of a bunch of dishes stacked up in the back <laughs> waiting for the dishwashing company to come pick them up and wash them. <laughs> that would be real messy. <laughs> and it's like y'all even partner with Gibson's, your neighbors with donuts, and like mm-hmm. there's an ice cream place you work with, I uh, think? Yeah, Sweet Magnolia Gelato we worked with. Uh, and, the, you know, a lot of this stuff comes back to the Grove that we use them over there as well. Um, but Sweet Magnolia Gelato is great as well. Your menu is constantly changing um kind of what's the thought process behind that we say we change our menu daily which we kind of do but uh we have core menu items so you know like the trout shrimp and grits buffalo broccoli and you know like pimento cheese charcuterie board is always on there you know i like to keep it interesting i uh have trouble focusing a lot of the time so i have to keep myself engaged we kind of work with seasonality as well so like if if you've noticed like you know peach salad is gone because there are no more peaches so we like change our salads and stuff based on seasons and you know sometimes we'll get a good deal like a couple weeks ago we got a great price on prime new york strips and so we ran that people really enjoyed that so it's just kind of how i'm feeling i suppose (laughs) no i mean i think it makes it interesting like you were saying amanda you want people to have a place they can go to more than just special occasions Mm -hmm. and so if your menu is constantly changing they're not getting tired i mean i will say i have a hard time getting out of my like favorites because that buffalo broccoli is incredible 
the pimento cheese is what people will remember from the Grove Grill, but then y'all have kind of thrown a little spin on it a little bit. And Mm -hmm. I mean, from brunch to dinner, I haven't had lunch yet, but I've had brunch and dinner and those are incredible. Mm -hmm. I think what I guess is a big factor is that, yes, he likes to keep the menu interesting and change it up, but that a lot of that too comes in with what they're growing. What are those farmers saying? Hey, we have this, you know, Um, We were in the car the other day, or maybe last week, and New South was on the phone with us saying, hey, I have these, you know, brassica greens, like for for lettuces. And it was kind of like, okay, well, we'll give it a try and see how, if and how we could use that for a salad. So I think that's a factor for us as well, kind of like seeing what's out there, seeing what's a great product and how we can kind of use that as a vehicle on our menu, but also to try to show people some new things that, you know, not everybody's going to use that or you know, I do like something different. You know, it kind of just, it keeps the guests engaged, I think, too, as well as us, because we don't want to be bored either. One of the big things that we've heard a lot of people talk about over the last couple of years has been supply line and, you know, how how it's affecting inflation and how it's affecting people's prices. And I know it's affected grocery stores and presumably it's affected restaurants as well. So are you taking what you can get in a way or how have you managed that situation? So with purchasing locally, you actually kind of avoid those supply line issues because, mm. you know, you're not getting tomatoes from Florida. You're getting them from, you know, 20 minutes away. Mm-hmm. During the summer, like during peak growing season, like the local produce is actually less expensive than stuff you get at the grocery store. And that's like part of the reason, you know, why, well, you want to support the local economy, but you also want to uh, save money. We are a for-profit organization. so <laughs> Shockingly. <laughs> um, with that, I've found that with local products, you kind of cut that out. Like with gelato, I don't have to worry about, you know, like Bindi gelato having a shortage or something. You know, mm-hmm. I just call Hugh up and he delivers, you know, in a week. The issues we had with supply lines were basically things like to-go boxes and stuff like that. I I remember this was maybe a year ago, like we couldn't get like small little sandwich to-go boxes. And, you know, I was on the lookout for them. And eventually we were able to get them. And I had to store like three or four boxes of them in my garage just so, you know, we had them. Because we were coming up with like every solution imaginable (laughs) to get stuff. And, you know, it was more like the broad line items were kind of difficult to come by. Well, I think it's really cool that you are supporting local as well with doing it and that you're you're introducing people to kind of what is here locally in Memphis. And I kind of want to go to the cocktails because I know you work with a lot of the local spirits. And Amanda, I think you're maybe the mastermind behind all these different unique cocktails and how that menu's changing as well. Yeah. So, I mean, it can be collaborative at times. To be fair to the bartenders, they are pretty great what they do as well. I think a lot of times... I have an idea and they give me a a tweak, but a lot of it conceptually does become me (laughs) at times. I think it's just kind of how it always works out. But I will say that we do use lots of the local spirits. I mean, we use old Dominic spirits like it's going out of style. Um, (laughs) They love me over there, unfortunately. Well, probably it's great for them because I probably go through like two cases of their product a week. That's what's a lot. have you been visiting? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That explains it. That's it. I had a uh, high school reunion the other night and their bar at the the reunion was stocked with old Dominic products. Well, there you go. (laughs) See? I mean, the local beers, we use a lot of those too. 
I mean, even we try to do as much as we can on the beverage program to support local too. As silly as it probably seems, I mean, we take the semi-local citrus that we can get and then we juice that in-house versus buying the jug juices. So that is a big factor too, I think. And it's something that kind of gets forgotten about too, because it's depending on what you're kind of looking at there. But I also think as far as our cocktail list goes, we try to keep it seasonal. So if cherries are in season, the cherry lane. And when we get those cherries, you know, we have this big batch of cherries and we cook them into a shrub. So you get this like vinegar and acidity, but you also get some sweetness. So you can kind of play with that. And that is what we do like with a lot of our fruits. So before they spoil, before they go bad and they go in the trash, because I don't throw food away, I find a way to preserve it, puree it, freeze it, figure something out with it so that it's usable because there's nothing worse in my opinion than a cantaloupe going in the trash because we cut uh, it and then I, forgot I, you know i, I disagree i think oh, all, cantaloupes, <laughs> no, all no, cantaloupes no. can go in the trash I, well then you're gonna have to try the cocktail <laughs> and then just tell me what you think then i mean it's tequila do you like tequila because if you like tequila it's a pretty good one i'm not one of those people that's like oh never again oh, on tequila oh, no, <laughs> you he, know? he's I'm, gonna say it never again <laughs> no i'm not i'm not one of those but uh, yeah. uh, tequila is not my go-to okay but, so you know i feel yeah i mean I, and i get it it's it's definitely an acquired taste to say the least <laughs> but you know the cocktail program we definitely try to keep it interesting i mean like the cantaloupe cocktail is about to leave because it's getting cold out there so we're just kind of running through that cantaloupe and then we're going to something with pears because pears. it's pear season Ooh, you know pears are delicious right <laughs> sorry we'll, we'll get you with the pear cocktail yes <laughs> um wines and things like that i think the factor there i mean I'm, I'm constantly changing the menu my running joke with my liquor reps is that i like to make myself crazy I'm constantly tasting new wines or spirits or whatever it may be to see how I can integrate that in. They also make fun of me because I'm one of the only, well, not one of the only, one of few of their restaurants who are so fluid with the menu. I will I will change it on a drop of a hat. Like, oh, I like that product, bring it in tomorrow, and I'll change my menu. But that's great for me because I think in the supply chain issue where Chip's lucky to not have as much of an issue with that beverage program, you're kind of at the whims. I mean, if they don't have glass... There's no tequila. If they don't have this, they don't, you don't get it. And because I'm so, my my wine list and beverage list is just so kind of fluid and kind of fly by the seat of your pants in some degree, um, we change it up because, hey, I'm out of that. I can't get that anymore. Cool. Okay. What else you got? In a way, it's kind of nice, in my opinion, because a guest who loves that Alvarino, hey, I don't have that anymore, but I do have this. I think you're going to like it. Let's try that. And you open that door to another product for them, another thing that they could find on a shelf at a liquor store, um, which I think is kind of fun. Although I think my mother-in-law requests that you have a certain bottle for her. Don't worry. The Solar Pinot Noir is going absolutely nowhere. If I, will, if I find out that's going away, I will I will stockpile it, I promise. It's kind, of, it's kind of interesting. You're talking about sort of broadening your horizons or expanding your knowledge just by experimentation. One of our big things um, that we talk about on the podcast on a more regular basis is sharpening your saw or continuing education and i'm wondering how that fits in with the culinary industry do you have a convention that you go to every year or do you have classes that you you know continuing ed that you do or do you go back later because you want to learn about a new area or you know how does that work or do Mm -hmm. you just basically once you're let out in the world it's just figure out what you can i mean there are conventions there are like the turkey conference that chip went to um you know (laughs) there's it it, it was it was great new mom and my husband leaves for months um but it wasn't months it was was a week week. (laughs) (laughs) a month-long turkey (laughs) he wishes anyway sorry but i think like you there are options to like learn more and Mm -hmm. there i mean you know 
with I'm a uh, certified sommelier, so I could go ahead and do level three, level four. And okay, like, t- tell me tell me what that means. So a sommelier is you are essentially certified and tested to have a certain number amount of knowledge and information about wine. Um, okay. So like there's like three parts to that. It's um, knowledge, like just like book information, mm-hmm. you know, learning what grapes are, where they come from, what regions, things like that. Then there's also like a tasting aspect of it. So you can blind taste a glass of wine and you should be able to give the grape the regions coming from, um, the vintage potentially, mm-hmm. and if it's, you know, all those different aspects of it. And then there's also the service portion of that and kind of like answering questions with a guest table side and being able to suggest pairings for that guest. Like, uh, hey, I'm going to have fried chicken and mac and cheese. What wine would you suggest? <laughs> um, that's the question Here. I failed on the first time. Still bitter. Um, but, <laughs> but that's kind of, so there are ways to learn more. I mean, there's also forums as far as like, not continuing education, but contemporary. So like our, our friends who went to college with, you know, kind of keeping up with them, seeing what they're doing and kind of what they're dabbling in at that time, I think is a big factor too. The simple act of like going out to eat, like we were just in uh, Washington, D.C. and we went to three restaurants and, you know, you can pick out ideas from what they do and kind of make it your own. Mm. And I mean, something as simple as like scrolling through Instagram, like following restaurants and kind of keeping up with trends and all that stuff. Okay, a question I have for you is because we are a financial podcast and a lot of it is this season we're kind of talking about entrepreneurs and trying stuff out. So somebody who's like, oh, I'm a great, I'm a great cook. I'm going to start a restaurant. Can you kind of talk a little bit about how this is a family thing? You, you live and breathe by this restaurant. Yes, you're juggling kids, but how that aspect of running your restaurant. So I think that the juggling aspect is real. Um, our in-laws, my mother and father-in-law just, just walked in actually for the day. So, I mean, one of the four of us, if not more than that, is always in this building while we're open or even beforehand. We do live and breathe this place. It is what we've always, well, at least what we've always wanted to do in my opinion. Um, but it kind of gives us that outlet to be creative. It gives us that outlet to really... Um, kind of show what we think Memphis needs or wants or, you know, would enjoy. I think like as far as someone who is like, I like to cook, I want to open my own restaurant. And I mean this in the most loving and kind way. Um, It is a lot of work. And it's a lot of work even for somebody who loves it. We just said we went out of town last week. We had a wedding in, you know, wine country, Virginia. And then we went to D.C. because we were like, hey, we're an hour away. Let's go get some food. So we kind of extended it. You were doing research. That's what you were doing. We were definitely, oh, we were doing some research. (laughs) We were doing some research. But I think what people don't see from the outside, of course, because why would they, is the phone calls, the text messages, the, hey, I saw the schedule come out. I can't work that while you're on vacation, while you're at a wedding, you know, and it's, it's a lot. And I feel like while we love it, you wear so many hats because not only am I the owner slash manager I'm also sometimes these my my lovely employees you know friend but sometimes hey I don't know what this is on my kid's face can you help me um you know like that's what I was handling when we walked in like is is this a bug bite or you know is this a rash and while that's so silly it's just kind of that's kind of the role we have found ourselves in because not only are we a family restaurant we do treat our staff like family being that a lot of them have been with us for so long it's very I would say easy um at times especially with my front of house staff that we kind of know our next move before we do it you know they there's a very clear like we're you know we're good we can joke around we can have fun but also they know like hey this is this is what's going to be like they know what to expect when they come in so I guess yeah that's kind of like how that works (laughs) I mean it is a lot of hard work and and I guess it goes with owning a business in general I mean like there there was one kind of surreal moment I want to say like two weeks ago I had to like 
fix a table on the patio and so you know i'm i fix it and then like five minutes later i'm back there cooking hamburgers and i'm just kind of like you have to wear a lot of different hats and you know like employees will ask me like medical questions and i'm just like i'm not a doctor like i can't help you with that but uh you'd be surprised the scope of questions we get asked on a regular basis it's mm. shocking but I would think that'd be a testament to you guys with the loyalty of your staff and how you've built this culture that they are family and it's not just, I mean, right now there is an issue with jobs that people don't want to work. And I've been in here and you have a younger staff, but it seems like they're loyal. Oh yeah. I mean, like like you said, my staff is definitely younger and there are a lot of restaurants who don't want to employ younger people. I mean, they they say they're lazy or whatever they say, but in my opinion, I mean, my host staff are all high school kids. Um, they're all in high school and my front of house, like my serving staff, I think they're all about 25 to 30. I think I might be, oh, I'm not the oldest. Someone else is my age, but we're all like the oldest is 30. And I think that there is that loyalty. You know, like one of my girls, she's like, hey, I saw your short staff this weekend. Do you need me to pick up a shift? Even though that means she's working seven shifts, which is a lot for a server who has a kid or who has a life or, you know, another job. Um, so I think that that loyalty really kind of lies in there. It's a yeah. lot, you know? And I also, like, I think in some respect, I don't expect my employees to go above and beyond like I do, like we do, because this is not their responsibility. Cam wants to ask a question. Oh, no. Now no. I'm in trouble. <laughs> Sorry, I'm totally stealing Quartz Mike here. Um, as a branding guy, I'm really interested in, like, how you picked out the name and the logo. Oh, were you on the same yeah. page? And, like, what, what the hell a brasserie is? Like, <laughs> can you walk us through that process and if it was easy or difficult? So, honestly, the most difficult part of all of this was coming up with a name. <laughs> I mean, it really was. Like, they, we, like, paid a marketing team to, like, come up with names. And then you, like, just throw out a bunch. You know, you just have to come up with ideas. What we eventually settled on is that my family has a, a tradition that, like, before a child's born and you know the gender, you give them two nicknames. And uh, uh, my sister had, was pregnant when we were opening. We were both pregnant at the same time. Oh, well, so they were both pregnant. And so my daughter was a uh, baby Magnolia, and then my sis my niece was baby May. And so we came up with that, which... Uh, kind of puts us in a perplexing situation because we're going to have to name a restaurant after my son so he doesn't feel <laughs> left out. I was about to say, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> so that's kind of how we went about that. And then my father was big on the orange color. So like the bar stools are orange. So he kind of forced that upon all of us. <laughs> and then we had a, uh, we had somebody come up with a logo. And we, you know, we have several different iterations of it, but we picked the one we liked. And what about the decor? Because it's, you know, I'm looking around and you've got, onion bags behind us and then we've got whiskey barrel tops and so tell me a little bit about how you decided the decor so it's kind of a hodgepodge of stuff we do have like an ode to my grandfather's office there's like a picture of the state of tennessee above one of the tables over there and that was hanging in his office um and then you know we just kind of picked different elements like the bar top is from uh, imperial lanes on summer and then like right behind us we have a 1973 uh imperial lanes oh bowling God. trophy <laughs> Um, we kind of have some odes to the Grove Grill up there as well. I kind of made a personal touch of, with stuff. I have like a Gaston little statue. Um, and then we'll, we'll hang like our kids' art up on the wall sometimes. So to show you how far back this goes, I was at a beer festival in Chicago back when we still lived in Charleston. And my friend took me to a restaurant and it had a whiskey barrel wall. And I just thought that was the coolest thing in the world. 
So we went ahead and did it here. And uh, that that's actually uh, a carpenter and my father put that together. So that's a custom yeah, built thing. So It's beautiful. Cam's going to have to get a picture of that and post with this episode. Yeah, I mean, one thing that about the decor, which I think is kind of awesome and maybe a little crunchy, um, is that a lot of the stuff is repurposed. So the whiskey barrels, they, you know, were once whiskey barrels and they could be used for decor, but we kind of take, took them apart to make that. A lot of the like bowling lanes, like for our bar top, that's repurposed. All the chairs and bar stools in this restaurant were bought used. And we took everything and kind of made it our own. We restained the chairs, we reupholstered them or whatever it was, just so I mean, also again, we were opening during a pandemic. There wasn't there wasn't a lot of stuff. You couldn't order things really to some degree. So we were like, okay, where can we get some of these things from that are great products, gonna function great? We just got to kind of alter them to our taste or style. And I think that was a big factor for us. Like kind of, and it makes it feel more comfortable because it's a little mismatch and sometimes it's a little odd because, you know, kids aren't hanging up on the restaurant wall. But hey, you know, it's it's kind of like a, either you love it or you hate it, really. It's, it's kind of how it, it ends up being. It makes you feel at home. <laughs> yes. Like, I love it. I also failed to mention that uh, if you look behind the bar where the all the bottles are, those shelves, that wood is the original wood from the building. So that was from like 1920. Wow. What I'm getting from you guys is that everything is used. Like you said, you hate to throw away a cantaloupe. You want to figure out a way to use it. And what I want people to know who maybe have not visited you guys, your prices are not crazy. You have very good prices. You can get an excellent meal. The quantity is perfect. And so sometimes I think people think people who are changing up menus and doing things that they throw a crazy sticker price with it. But you don't have that at all. No, I mean, we really want it to be affordable. We want it to be everybody's cheers. You know, we want you to come in. I mean, we have people who come into the bar four or five times a week and you know again court no it's not it's actually not him (laughs) um but we want you to feel like you can come in and spend you know spend your money your hard-earned money and Mm -hmm. you know know that you're not breaking your bank but also like chip was saying earlier using local products using all those different things and kind of trimming the fat where it's not necessary you know things as simple as we don't have to go cups you know i'm sorry people get mad and like i don't want to buy them for them to go in the trash or You know, them to sit on the shelf or one person to ask for it. And it's just, it's just kind of silly. Like, I'm, those are expenses that what you don't What if I brought my it. own to go Go for it. I'll fill it <laughs> for you. And that's the thing. I was like, you have, I know you have a cup in your car. I'll wash it for you. Just, you know, bring it in. Um, but it, it's, and while it's kind of silly, I think, you know, you're right. We don't have that huge sticker price. We try to keep our menu items affordable. And even with, like, inflation and things like that, like, you know, we definitely are conscious of how we are you know, pricing our menu, whether it be beverage or food, because stuff's expensive right now, and it's crazy. Cameron mentioned it when he was talking. I mentioned it earlier when I was talking. We just talked about decor. I don't see a piece of brass in here, so... What is a brasserie? Brasser, what is a country brasserie? I'm going to let you answer that question, Chip. You go ahead. So a brasserie is brasserie a, is a traditional, it's like a French uh, bistro oh, okay. kind of deal. So they you know, have typically have very large menus and it's more casual. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we kind of did is we called it a country brasserie because while we do have elements of you know French technique, we didn't want to pigeonhole ourselves into just being like a southern restaurant. Mm-hmm. And we call it country because we'll use rustic dishes from throughout the world. You know, like right now we've got a baba ganoush on the menu. We've mm-hmm. been known to throw fried rice on the menu. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> um, we are, uh, you know, we make our own pasta sometimes. So, you know, we, we 
try to keep it creative and rustic and approachable for everybody. Fantastic. I think the best part about what we do, I mean, like we said earlier, it's definitely a family affair, but I can't imagine us doing anything else. Like we, yes, it's sometimes it's frustrating working with your spouse or your in-laws or your mom and dad for chip. Tell me about oh, it. It's, <laughs> I work with my spouse. It's, it could be, it could be She doesn't lot. listen to this, so I can say that. <laughs> oh, well, I'll, I say it anyway, so it's okay. <laughs> I'm not going to get in trouble, I don't think. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it is really like what we want to be doing and it, we do feel pretty fulfilled in this. It's and it, but it is a lot of work, and you know we, but we love having it as a family aspect. I mean, we bring the kids up here after school just to kind of like check in, make sure everything's good. Okay, great. I'm gonna take them home, or you know, it's kind of a constant like, okay, go get the kids from school, go drop them off, bring them this way. It's it's kind of you're managing all of that at the same time, which is it's just kind of part of the game for us. Is one of you here until it closes? Yes, typically both of us if we're here. Okay. So after it closes and you mm-hmm. go on your merry way home or wherever else that may be, do you find yourself still talking about work and oh the business God, and yes. the restaurant <laughs> just basically all of the time? Yes. Yeah, yeah. so that's sometimes, not just us. Sometimes we have to like, we're like, you know what? I can't talk about this anymore. Like, I'm, I'm like, my head is still spinning from service or like I'm either angry or like whatever it is, like whatever's happened that's kind of on the table at that point. I'm just like, all right. Or he'll be like, that's it. Like, we're done. This conversation's got to be over because we're making ourselves crazy. Or, like, we're not making any headway. Like, mm-hmm. we're just talking to, you know, make ourselves more crazy. <laughs> I know the kids are young, but mm-hmm. do you have hopes that they're going to follow in your footsteps? From my perspective, I'm going to say I don't think they will. Um, and Madison loves to cook with us now, like, at the home and here. But I also don't hope that they – I want them to do what's going to make them happy, and I don't know if this is what would make them happy. I don't know. What do you think, Chip? I mean, it's really too early to tell. I mean, if, you know, I'm doing something at the house, you know, they want to grab the stool and, you know, help us. Like Amanda was rolling pizza out the other day, and, you know, both the kids were fighting over who got the rolling pin. <laughs> so uh, maybe, who knows? So what would be your vision of your goal for the restaurant for the next couple of years? What do you hope for? I mean, we I, I'm kind of liking what we're doing now. We uh, This area just generally is... is it's, booming. It's a big thing. So it seems like you could really make this work for a while if that's what you want to do. I mean, we got to put two kids through college, so hopefully this <laughs> lasts a while. Forget college. How about elementary school? Okay. <laughs> I mean, we got we to put them to elementary school first, and then we can think about high school and college. I think, like, as far as going forward... I mean, you're right. This is a great area. We are super lucky. Um, I'm going to say we're very intuitive, maybe. Um, <laughs> it's totally a lie. Um, that we got here before this kind of all blew up. I mean, because when we started this across the street where Hen House and all that, where that is, that wasn't there. That was still bogeys. Mm-hmm. And the paint shop and the tobacco shop maybe even was yeah. still there. So we definitely are in an area that has kind of exploded in the last year and a half. And they're about to start doing the work in the shopping center across the street from us, between us and Hen House, and like revamping all these apartments over here. I mean, there's a lot of movement in this area. So I I, I agree what you're saying, you know, that this is something place that we can definitely stay pat and be happy and comfortable here, I think, for some time, as long as we keep up our act and don't, you know, don't mess it up. Um, <laughs> but I think, like, as far as that goes, like, I think kind of, I know it sounds kind of lame, but staying pat and being, like, kind of just keeping at this, you know, this path that we're on of serving some good food, keeping it affordable, and, you know, making some friends along the way. Why not? Okay, I want you to pitch where your location is, when you're open, and kind of what you offer. So we are at Mount Moriah Mendenhall. We are open for dinner Tuesday through Saturday from 4 till 10. 
We do lunch Thursday and Friday from 11 till 2, and then we do brunch Saturday and Sunday, 11 till 2.30. I love you guys. Y'all are awesome. You have wonderful food, wonderful drinks. So if you haven't checked this place out, you really need to check it out. Amanda Chip, thank you so much for being on this. I, I've been talking about it for a while that I wanted to get you on, and it's just been with y'all's schedule so busy. And so I appreciate you taking the time. Just so you know, listeners, like since we've been here, mom and dad have walked in, deliveries you know, happened right before this, the phone's ringing. So this is a active, busy couple <laughs> trying to make sure this restaurant is profitable, makes wonderful things. So when you come and eat here, you can really you know there's a story behind it. There was some thought put into it, and it wasn't just like, oh, this is on the menu. Like, Chip, Amanda, were the masterminds behind it. Well, we try to be at least, right? Well, and it's kind of cheesy that, like, the simple act of just coming to eat here, you're supporting, like, several local businesses by either ordering a cocktail or, you know, ordering an entree. It's kind of incredible. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds like an amazing bullseye to me. It is an amazing bullseye. Come eat at Magnolia in May and support many local businesses. <laughs> Oh, ladies and gentlemen, there's the closing bell. Guess what? You've made it to the end of yet another episode of the Bullcast Podcast. If you liked what you heard and you'd like to hear more, please feel free to go to your favorite subscription service and sign up to have our podcast beamed directly to your device every single Thursday at noon. If you'd like to find out more about me, Katie, or Cameron, please feel free to go to our website. That's bullcastpodcast.com. You can leave a comment, suggest a topic, or even invite yourself to be a guest, and we'll be happy to have you on. If you'd like to find out more about this place, is there a website for this place? Thankfully, there is. Um, okay. It's magnoliamay.com. Magnoliamay.com. You and can find check out, out their Instagram, because there's some great pictures of the food, and Chip throws some funny stuff on there. Do they have a handle? What's the handle? So we're on Instagram at Magnolia and May. So if you like professional wrestling, 90s cartoons... And want to watch me make a fool of myself, go check it out. Fantastic. <laughs> I'm going to go there. So, ladies and gentlemen, at Magnolia and May. And, of course, our handle, as always, is at Bullcast Podcast. Also, we have the words on the Twitter with the tweets. That's at Bullcast Podcast as well. Finally, uh, we may or may not have mentioned that Cameron and Katie and I all work at a place called Pickler Wealth Advisors. And if you'd like to find out more about us, there's more about us on that website, too. More about our amazing team, more about what it is we do, and more about our boss, David Pickler. Please feel free to go to that website. That is picklerwealthadvisors.com. That's advisors with an O. Not an E. Ladies and gentlemen, we have given you so much to be going on with. Not only that, but we've given you plenty to come and eat at Magnolia in May. So for now, I'm Court. I'm Katie. I'm Kim. Amanda. And Chip. Woohoo! Ladies and gentlemen, we are out.